podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Joining me as they do every Monday to break down the weekend that was, Andy Mitz. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. That's you know, all I got for you right now, Philip. <laughs> some, sometimes I can't ask for more, and, and, and that's probably better than I'm going to do today. So, hey, that's good. Uh, Jamie Steyer. Well, someone needs to have some energy, and so I'll try to bring the energy, even if I maybe lost my voice, maybe yelling at a basketball game earlier. Who's to say? See, my voice is recovered from Saturday, so we're good to go here. You obviously just today, Sunday, so I get it. And Andy, yeah, this was a this was a weekend. Um, let's start <laughs> with. Uh, Let's start with why Andy's a little upset and why my voice is, is a little bit shot still. Big 12 SEC Challenge was this past Saturday, uh, and and thanks to uh, Kentucky's COVID issues and the cancellation of their game against Texas, only nine games happened, and the SEC won for the second time, uh, five to four in the nine games, which was, um, a, I would say, incredibly disappointing. And we can say, oh, it would have been a tie had Texas played Kentucky, but I do think it was rather disappointing. I want to talk about the teams that, that that impressed on Saturday, but let's let's start on the other end. I'm not gonna come down hard on TCU. Man, that sucks. They had that game, and then somehow a Missouri team that can't shoot the three to save their life hits three straight in the closing like minute of the game and ties it up uh, to send it to overtime. And you knew once it went to overtime, TCU was not bouncing back. They still had a shot there, and, and to be honest, that game came down to a very questionable call fouling out their big man uh, for TCU, which allowed Missouri a lot of run to really kind of do what they wanted on the inside, which led to TCU collapsing to try to you know prevent that, which is usually the right move because, like you said, Missouri is not a very good three-point shooting team, and they just went lights out. It's one of those things, TCU should have won that game, yes, but I also can't really fault them for the reasons that they didn't win the game. Sure. So I don't know. I, I thought TCU was one of the more impressive teams, honestly, from the big 12 over the weekend, even though they weren't able to hold on to win against Missouri. Yeah, no, I agree. I just, it's disappointing. Obviously that game could have gone the other way and flipped the series for the big 12. Kansas, Andy. Yes. Four Kansas game losing exists. streak. They got their tails whipped by Tennessee. I'm trying to not like doom and gloom for Kansas at this point, but because we've seen three game losing streaks, that's fine. It's okay if you don't win the SEC challenge game, but we're at the point with Kansas. They're now 11 and six, five and four in conference play. They're not going to win the big 12. That's for sure. Um, They probably aren't going to finish top three in the big 12. I would, I would argue at this point. To be honest, they, they might be lucky to finish top half at this rate. Yeah. The top, I look at this, put this put this way. Um, one through seven of the Big Twelve is really good. So not finishing yeah. the top half is not like I would normally consider it. Like the six seven teams are going to be tournament teams who were solid. So it's just weird for what is it? So I don't want you to spend a lot of time on this, but let's just ask, what is going on, man? 
it's a combination of being ice cold from three when that's your biggest strength is shooting the three. Um, so like when you live and die by the three and you can't hit the broadside of a barn from three point range for whatever reason, um, you're going to go through these types of games. Really the only part that's, well, the, the other issue is like, I was looking at it and, and you know, with how big they lost against Tennessee, you would think that they're having issues with their defense. Um, but for the most part, their defense is actually pretty good. If you look at all the metrics, they're just getting extremely unlucky with their opponents just going ballistic from the three point range. And it's not even like wide open threes. It's threes with hands in the face, and they're just making them. Tennessee is a very poor shooting, you know, three-point team, and they were absolutely on fire from behind the three-point line, which really kind of ruined any chance that Kansas had of coming back in that game. Uh, It reminded me a lot of that Villanova game from the Final Four (laughs) a few years ago, where it's like, you know, you saw that they were starting to hit them, especially ones that they don't normally hit, and you just knew there was no chance. I mean, so... Kind of like you said, I'm not that necessarily that worried about the Tennessee game specifically, but they really kind of need to figure out what's going on because, you know, yes, TCU is a decent team, a a pretty, you know, a decent Big 12 team, which um, that, you know, there was still no no excuse for almost losing that game to TCU earlier in the week. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They did win that one. Okay. So it's, they've lost four of the last five. Again. Right. I apologize if my, my memory is a little shot. I am here, as Andy put it, and I'm doing my best with the lack of sleep. And uh, yeah, so I Kansas State and Iowa State, Kansas State put up a fight. They had a shot. I thought they could have won that game. They had a lead late with the closing couple minutes. Weren't able to overcome it. Iowa State, he. Oh my he, gosh. Jamie, what do you have to say for your team? Frankly, you know, I can't talk about it. Like it, it, it really, it is what it is. Like there's obviously not what you want to see. There's COVID issues. I don't know that it can all be attributed to that. Um, but beyond that, because of my involvement with the team and the athletic department, I, I frankly can't talk about it. To be honest, I wasn't even expecting that much. <laughs> fair enough. That's fair. Uh, West Virginia, you know, I recorded thursday's podcast and i i did my intro the first time ranked all the matchups for saturday i didn't like the way it turned out i re-recorded it and one thing i forgot to include i did the first time and the second time was that that west virginia florida game felt like because there's always a game that the big 12 gets an upset in and there's a game that the sec gets an upset in and i thought kansas state texas and it would be the upset for the big 12 didn't happen it was almost tcu over missouri and i thought the florida over west virginia would be the upset win there. And that one kind of happened. And it's not a shot at West Virginia. Those games just always happen. But as far as teams, I I think are still a little up and down. Um, West Virginia felt like that team. And that's kind of what happened. Again, I like West Virginia. They're a solid team this year. They're just, they're fine. They're fine. They're, they're a very high variance team. So mm. they are good mm. overall. And if you look at their you know advanced stats... They, they come in at number 19 at Ken Palm because they are a very good team. They're just extremely high variance. They're either really, really good or they throw out a stinker every once in a while. But it averages yeah. out to being a very good team. Yeah. Uh, obviously, winners on Saturday. Baylor took care of Auburn. Uh, Texas did not get to play. Uh, Texas Tech scored 12 points in the final minute of that game to come back on the road against LSU. 
uh, of course, Oklahoma State. That was insane. Yeah, Oklahoma State. Um, I was there. Uh, I got to watch Cade Cunningham live. Let me just tell you, that was a lot of fun. You can understand why he is expected to be the number one pick in the draft this year. Uh, he took over at the end of that game. Uh, hit the end of that game. You get Walker gets the the rebound that was huge for them. So Cade hits the the fadeaway jumper to get them the lead. Gets the rebound off the missed three by Arkansas's seven foot two uh, human walking stick. Um, comes gets the hits both free throws and then grabs the inbound pass by Arkansas to seal the win. Like just bam, 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 bam. That is what you call a clutch closer. So awesome, loved watching that. Oklahoma State gets the win over Arkansas there, and then we're going to talk about our team of the week. And I say team of the week, but feels more like team of the month of January, and that is the Oklahoma Sooners who are, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of all the appropriate ways to to talk about how good Oklahoma has been. Um, according to ESPN Stats, Oklahoma is the first team since 1974 and the third team ever. First since 74, think about how long, that, how long ago that was, the first team ever, third team ever, so just three teams have ever done this, to have four regular season wins over top 10 opponents in the same month. The Sooners have been on a roll. That went over Alabama because everyone was talking about Alabama. Alabama is going to be a number one seed. Alabama is going to win the SEC. They're going to blow it out. They're like three games up. Oklahoma goes into that game down two starters and gets the win. Oklahoma goes on the road, and I understand that Texas had two starters to back up and, and, and no shock of smart for that game. Oklahoma able to come away with the win. Oklahoma got the win over Kansas at home. Like, it's it's been an impressive month. It's been an impressive week plus for Oklahoma. Um, they've got another marquee game on Monday when they're going to Texas Tech. I, I, I don't know that I can say anything more for Oklahoma than they have been incredible. And, and the guy who I want to really start talking about as someone who's going to end up as all Big 12, probably second team just because Baylor's going to have like three guys on the first team and Kate will be on there. Elijah Harkless, he entered the starting lineup when Brady Manick went out with COVID before the Kansas game. Since then, Oklahoma is 5-1. and one. They've got these wins here. The guy has been awesome. 8.5 points per game, 6.3 rebounds, 2.6 assists, and almost three steals a game. Literally, in this six-game run, in this six-game run, he's had three steals in five of the games. He is everywhere. He does all sorts of things. Elijah Harkless is... Uh, I'm I'm I have been incredibly impressed with how he's been playing. He was awesome against Alabama. 14 points, 6 of 13, 3 steals, 5. Like it just he has been such a do it all guy for this Oklahoma team who I don't this isn't an Oklahoma team with like that guy. That's that that stud. That surefire NBA pick. But this is the the definition of this is a really good team with a lot of guys who play well, play hard and all play together. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I they started this stretch, you know, with a, a win over TCU and a win over Kansas State. It was like, ah, uh, you know, giant wins against those two teams, but not necessarily that impressive given who those two teams were. But then to follow that up with winning, you know, against Kansas and then going on the road to face Texas with, you know, even with the same caveats that you said, like that was still an impressive win. Um, and then 
you know, I think the most impressive win that they have to date was this game against Alabama. Um, I mean, I just, I thought it was a complete performance back and forth against a team that really, you know, wasn't running into issues. Like they were a very hot team coming into this game. You know, I mean, I still think there's a good chance that Alabama is going to end up being a one seed just because I don't think they really have much competition in the SEC. And so they are going to, honestly, they should be able to run away with the SEC, not necessarily because of how spectacular they are, but more because I don't think the SEC has many other good teams. Um, But that's kind of beside the point. Oklahoma has been extremely impressive being down with all the issues that they have. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is a team that's clearly on the rise, is set up really well for a deep run in the tournament. Um, You know, they are probably the team that I am the most impressed by in the entire Big 12 other than Baylor. But Baylor, we saw this one coming. So, like, honestly, I think that Long Kruger is building himself a very, very strong case for Big 12 Coach of the Year. Yeah, I mean, I remember some of my, you know, I talk about TGS has our little betting Slack channel and someone was like, oh my gosh, this OU line is really swinging. And I go, well, have you seen why? It's They've got two starters out. You know, that makes sense. And so it's very, very easy to look at that and be like, well, you know, okay, that's that's a pretty good excuse. That's, you know, a pretty tough situation, especially to have that. You don't know how long they knew that in advance, but I mean, they certainly hadn't announced it. So, I mean, you probably only have a couple days considering how quick, like how quick of a turnaround there is from one to another. They had them for one game and they don't have them for the next. That's only, you know, three games or three days, excuse me. So, I mean, to go out and then really play pretty dang well you know you expect at least some kind of a letdown when you've got major contributors out because people get pushed into different positions but I really didn't see any of that it was it was just really impressive I agree I think that's potentially the most impressive win they've got oh no it it, it by far to me is the most impressive again this is Alabama was on a 10 game win streak they had gone to LSU and put up 100 something points Oklahoma's defense was impressive Oklahoma is a good defensive team. Alabama loves to shoot the three and shoots it well. And Oklahoma held them pretty much in check in that game. Like it, it, I think for OU, this is even more surprising than Texas being as good as they are, because it was always just a matter of like, we just, every year we, everyone said they could because the talent was there, but they never, Shaka could never deliver. And this year he's delivering. But this was an Oklahoma team that I didn't, I thought would probably be like the seventh best team. They might finish third. I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility with everything in front of them. They're only a game behind Texas. Um, they might finish second the way that they're they, going. Uh, that's, that's what I mean. Like, they're only a game behind Texas. They might be able to finish second in the Big 12. Like, and that's that's going to be a crazy feat. And for people who have – I've seen comments over the last couple of years, well, when's Long Kruger going to go? He's, maybe he's past his prime. you got to give him full credit for – like, there's, there's nothing but complete and credit – for what he has done this season, for what this team has done this season, that's you. Oklahoma is really good, and I believe this is an Oklahoma team that's going to end up not. Not only are they going to end up with a decent seed, this is a this is an OU team that, if they lose their first round game, it's going to be an upset. It's going to be an OU team that has a real shot at a Final Four run, or not a Final Four, at least a Sweet Sixteen run. Okay, so I I've been impressed with them. It's it's kind of a fun thing to keep tracking, and we'll see how they look as the season progresses. No, honestly, I. I know you went back and corrected yourself, but to be honest, the way that they're playing right now, especially with down the guys that they are, this is a team that is in a very good position for a Final Four run. Like, they honestly are playing that well. And yes, maybe they're going to take a step backward, 
But they're, remember that they're doing this not at full strength. They're doing this without some of their key contributors, you know, their starters. So, like, this is this is as impressive as it gets. Like, right now, um, I mean, I guess they're not technically in the driver's seat for, for second place in the conference just because Texas has played two less games. And right now, you know, it's, it's one down in both the win and the loss column. So, technically, Texas is in the driver's seat for that, for that you know, second spot. But they still have to get to play them one more time. And, you know, honestly, the way that they're going right now, I have a hard time seeing who else in the Big 12 other than Baylor can actually beat them, you know, if they're playing the way that they can play. I would argue a healthy Texas could. Like, I would, I'll be interested to see the second time that Oklahoma and Texas play if Texas is healthy um, and see, and Oklahoma is healthy and see how that game goes. Because, again, that game was a, that was a game that Texas came back and only lost by one. Just remember that that one is in Norman and, you know, as much as, or as weird as it was at the beginning of the year with all the road teams winning, it has swung back wildly. And now home field advantage seems to be actually meaning something because there's been a lot of really, really big home wins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, Absolutely. 10, 12, faithful. What is up? It is Ryan Chapman, Christine Butterfield. We are the Sideline Morning Podcast. And Christine, we have a huge announcement. Yes, we are now transitioning into more national news which is super exciting but don't worry guys still gonna be dunking on ryan on the daily look some things never change but season two of sideline morning is coming to you january 26th you can find it anywhere you get your podcast apple podcast spotify wherever we are super excited to be a part of the highball network and christine just can't wait to get back out there on january 26th back and better than ever baby all right, Jamie. I know that uh, that Iowa State lost to Baylor on Sunday in their their uh, second game of that series, and I know you're sad about it. But there was a big achievement for Iowa State this week, specifically Coach uh, Fenley, Bill Fenley, hitting his 700th career win as a head coach, which is an awesome thing for him. I'm sure you have some thoughts that you would like to share here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just really cool, um, especially to see like how many people come out and talk about it. Um, in media you see all the former players come out about it and stuff like that like I mean 700 wins is a lot 700 wins over 33 seasons like that's that's pretty impressive that's a lot of wins in a lot of seasons so I don't know it's cool especially you know I've obviously been watching for my entire life we'll call that about 24 and a half years at this point so um, I came a little bit late for some of those earlier ones, but my mom posted some really fun pictures. If you find me on Twitter, um, of me at the 200th win as a very, very small child with a little t-shirt that we keep and we still have, and we just replace the two. We just put like a piece of paper over it with whatever win it is. So my brother and I posed with it for 700 this week. And it's like, I can't believe I ever fit into that, but I digress. Um, it's awesome. Fenley is an incredible human being. Um, I text him after the game, after I was done broadcasting and, uh, you know, he was inundated with messages and I heard back within 30 seconds with a personal message, not like a thanks, like multiple sentences. Um, and it's just cool. And after the game, you know, he doesn't want to talk about himself. He wants to talk about his players. He wants to talk about how my mom is the one who grew up the, the play that got them the winning shot, you know, which I didn't know when I teed up the question for the record, but it's cool. I mean, we're family. It's uh, it's pretty incredible, and uh, really thankful to be be around that program, be around those people. It's 
it's cool. It's a good program to follow if you're looking for, you know, another team to support. Yeah, no, look, the Iowa State women's team is really good this year. They're a lot of fun to watch. They're a lot of fun to follow. Um, so if you Iowa State fans are looking for a team, something to cheer for, something to get excited about, you you could give them a shot. I understand if you don't like women's basketball, that's fine. If it's if you just don't like it, whatever. If it's then what's wrong with you? No, I mean, it's a valid question. <laughs> we all have to pick and choose what we can invest our time into. But if you were usually invested... if it's a matter of time or if it's a matter of personal preference, I get it. It's I'm not like a crazy like everyone has to listen to me over everyone else. But give it give it a shot before you dismiss it. Which a lot of people do. Iowa State has incredible support for women's basketball. So I have no complaints. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Jamie, I, I want to ask you, who is your, uh, who's your Big 12 Women's Team of the Week? Well, you're going to like this one. So you mentioned our game against Iowa State's game against Baylor today. I will say on that note, kind of dope that it like is a rivalry now. Like an eight-point loss to Baylor, usually you're like, wow, I mean, what else could you ask for? We walked out of there, ticked off today. So cool on that one. But team of the week for sure this week is Oklahoma State. Mm, um, my heart. I know. it's. I mean, I said before the season, no one really expected much of them. Um, they have proved everyone wrong and then some. They've had an incredible season. Um, they beat Kansas at Kansas, which Kansas not great this year, obviously, but they beat them solidly, you know, 24 point win on the road. So that's, I mean, pretty great to start with, but what really earns them the honor is on Wednesday, they beat Texas by 17, who is a tough team, a talented team who has beat a lot of really good teams that beat Iowa state twice. So if that tells you, you know, if, if that's a team that you follow. Um, but no, I mean, heck of a game. Natasha Mack is a baller. I mean, and a lot comes down to the post in the Big 12 right now, just because there's a lot of really good guards out there. So the fact that Natasha Mack can really bang down there against Charlie Collier in Texas is something. But to beat Texas by 17 is a heck of an accomplishment. So got to give it to the Cowgirls. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. It's fine. I'm happy with it. It's good. It's good things here. Uh, yeah, no, look, OSU has been impressive, far exceeding expectations coming into the season. Um, so we'll we'll see. Uh, they had that weird, you know, they had that three game losing streak against Iowa State, West Virginia, and Baylor, who were all solid. Getting the Texas win, the the next few games they get to play Kansas again, they get Oklahoma, and then they go to Texas. That's that feels like a. It feels like the Big Twelve for women this year is pretty. It's pretty much like the good half and the bad half. Uh, you have yeah. your Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Texas. They all are eleven or more wins. They've they've got their. I mean, the worst is Texas at six and three, and that's just because of delays. Everyone else in the conference is under five hundred in conference play, under five hundred overall. It just doesn't seem very good. It's a, there's a very sharp line between the upper half of the conference, which is good, and the bottom half of the conference, which is not. The upper half is really, really good. I have no idea how the top five are going to end up. And that includes number one, because I fully believe Texas can beat Baylor. So it's, it's kind of crazy up there. And there's a lot of games yet to be played between the top five teams. Texas and Baylor each have 
they have two games where they meet. They haven't played at all yet. Iowa State plays West Virginia twice still. I mean, it's the end of the season is going to be fun. Yeah, no, it is. I'm. It is going to be fun. So it's a very. I think that, and and I and I know that Baylor, seven and one in conference, twelve and two overall. They're good as they always are. West Virginia seven and two, thirteen and two. Like I, I think that this. I think the women's side is more going to be a more competitive finish than the men's side is. Like I think Baylor is winning the Big Twelve regular season for the men. I just do. Um, yeah. I, I I thought Texas could do it. I, I, at now because of that lost Oklahoma, which isn't terrible, but it's just it's a it's kind of like an arms race. Like at this point, every loss just sets you further back and makes it that much harder. I think Baylor's going to win it for the women. Baylor, yeah, but West Virginia is one game behind them. Texas is two. Texas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State are all two games behind. Like, it, and that's that's like by the loss record. Mm-hmm. It's not actually that way because not everyone's played the same number of games because of all these different things because of COVID and and delays and postponements. By mm-hmm. by actual number of games played, Texas is technically only a game and a half behind Baylor. That's it. So I, it's going to be really interesting and a really fun kind of fight to the finish, and I will continue to watch very closely because it's it's interesting. And I, I like – if you like to have, like, competitive things like that, then you should pay attention. If you, I, that's my thing. I like competitive things. Told you I'm not bringing my A game today. This is my A game. My A game <laughs> today is far lower than normal. On it, Someone's going to be like, no, this is about on par for you, which would probably be fair. <laughs> Um, you can't tee people up like that. I can, and I will, and I will just take what I am, what I deserve for it. Uh, hey guys, just real quick, uh, guess what? 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 Homefield Apparel. That is right. Homefield Apparel Yay! is back as a sponsor for the Ten Twelve podcast, and I am more than thrilled to have them. Connor is awesome. The whole team over there is awesome. Lauren as well over there helping uh, helping set this back up, which I am I am thrilled to have Homefield Apparel back as the sponsor here on the Ten Twelve podcast. Why is that? A couple reasons. One, they uh, they finally caved and put out the Sad Dog Joggers. That's a thing, Jamie. I think you have. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, yes, I got them. I put them on immediately. Let me tell you, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you didn't see my little party because I am six one. And I got pants that fit. They are perfect length. I've talked about it when I got the sweatshirt. The body was long enough. The arms were long enough. I didn't think it could get better than that. I earned a pair of pants. They're long enough too. I really don't know what to do with myself except for hope that I get Iowa State joggers because they put out all those polls about who should get the joggers first. Iowa State won for the Big 12 because Iowa State doesn't lose online polls. So all I'm saying is I would very much appreciate Cyclone Joggers. <laughs> I mean, it was it was Iowa State or Baylor, and no, Iowa right. State does not lose online polls. That's correct. Iowa State, Especially to Baylor. The, I mean, yes. <laughs> you could put a, bo- a poll out about who's the best college baseball team, put Iowa State in as a joke, and Iowa State would win. Like, that's, that's what would happen. Uh, Homefield Apparel back on the show. Very excited to have them. They continue to put out awesome new gear. They keep releasing new schools just for fun. Big new Saturday will start again in May. So that's something to, to put on your calendar. Birthday. And, and just 
all, just put it on your calendar and make sure to start checking in. If you don't follow them on Twitter, you probably should at Homefield Apparel. But Homefield Apparel, comfortable, awesome, vintage sports apparel. You won't find anything like it anywhere else. You won't find anything as good anywhere else, as comfortable anywhere else, as what Homefield Apparel puts out. And you can save because you listen to the 1012. Use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, at checkout. Get 20% off your first order. They've got Baylor. They've got Iowa State, as you are aware. Like I said, they have added some new schools and some cool new things. They've added some Georgetown stuff. Uh, they've added a lot of basketball stuff. If you like Alabama for some reason, or if you like don't even like some of these schools but just think co- classic college logos are awesome, let's say you, uh, maybe you like Louisville. Maybe, today. maybe you went Delaware. Um, how about Utah State? I, no, I'm not going to say Iowa even as a joke. Maybe, BYU. Maybe you're an Iowa State fan who likes that two of the most successful coaches in school history came from Toledo. I don't know. Hey. It's an idea. Hey. Hey. That is a, the BYU ones are fantastic as well. I was so happy to see that those dropped. So. Oh yeah, the BYU ones are awesome. Those. You could be awesome. Andy's wife and like the owls. Yeah, you know what? Cool. I, I I got her a rice owl sweatshirt, and then I. And now oh, I yeah. got Temple. Sorry. Yeah, I completely did not realize that they have Temple, and Temple ones are <laughs> freaking awesome as well. So she's gonna be adding more to her collection before I even get anything. Um, but uh, I'll, I probably won't be too far behind because those BYU ones are fantastic. There's there's a Temple Beefy Owl, and I am very tempted to get the Beefy Owl. He's incredible. Yeah, he's 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 jacked. Like he that oh, yeah. that is, he is a night terror. Like mice, you're done. He's he will he, he will is, devour you. He is an unattainable goal for owls. <laughs> Men, why don't you look like this? <laughs> <laughs> Let me so, just say, uh, it does not feel like a proper episode of the Ten Twelve Podcast without a rambling home field apparel ad read. It's not. It's it's it, it hasn't been right for the last. Oh, really? It hasn't been right for the last month. So very happy to have home field apparel back. So again, go to home field, check out their awesome inventory of more than a hundred schools, the comfiest hoodies, sweaters, t-shirts, and joggers. Uh, use the promo code Ten Twelve get twenty percent off your first order, and we are just thrilled to have them back here on the show. Speaking of weird things, I, d- I did want to ask you guys. So, if you haven't seen, Top Golf is basically taking Top Golf on tour around the country, a Top Golf Live to a variety of stadiums. It's a stadium tour, and two Big Twelve schools will be hosting uh, said stadium tour. That's Oklahoma and Baylor, which is neat. If you've never gone to a Top Golf, Top Golf is awesome. I mean, it literally, it's like it. You turn golf into a drinking game, but even people who don't aren't good at golf can enjoy themselves. That's all you need to know. Um, so it got me really thinking, like, uh, it's only going to, to Oklahoma and Baylor, but let's say, Jamie, if Iowa State were to have something like this, something similar occur at their stadium, who who do you think it would be at Iowa State? Look, I don't understand the question. You're going to have to rephrase that. Okay, you mean so like something the, other than Top Golf came to Iowa State Stadium? Right. So let's say you're Texas Tech and the best you can do is Chuck E. Cheese. Um, that's an example. <laughs> So let's see what what would Iowa State bring to their stadium on par with with Top Golf or Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, a a bushlight drinking contest does that count? I mean, shit, why not? Yeah, that one. I mean, essentially every tailgate is a bushlight drinking contest. So just formalize it. You can throw some like side attractions. You could have some pong. And then also cup stacking with the same cups. 
There you go. Look, I'm well, just so, does anyone come? so wait, you guys would just anymore? bring I don't know. I just think that'd be you fun. would just bring beer fest to the Iowa State Stadium. No, it's yes. it's it's gonna be like the uh the Nathan's uh hot dog eating contest on fourth of July, but with beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone has their own keg. And you just Whoever drains it first wins. And, and Andy, I don't have to ask. I know at Kansas it would just be a giant strip club, so we could. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Actually, I was thinking laser tag and Allen Fieldhouse would be absolutely fantastic. Ooh, oh, laser tag! I love laser tag. I miss laser tag. I didn't know I missed laser tag until right now. That kind of hurts a little bit. <laughs> but, I mean, okay. I, I feel like it would be desecrating Allen Fieldhouse, and yet it would be absolutely awesomely insane at the same time. Have they not been desecrated this year? <laughs> I'm not talking to you right now, Jamie. Um, let's, let's talk a little Kansas football just for a second. Um, the big news that came out this week, obviously, uh, offense coordinator, Brent Deerman, uh, who kind of helped rejuvenate the Kansas offense, not this past season, but in 2019, I know it was 2020 was a down year, but that's not entirely his fault has, has left to become the OC at middle Tennessee, which is definitely not the kind of move you would expect of a power five offensive coordinator to make. Um, Andy, I know you've been doing some digging and some some searching to kind of figure out what's going on here. Can can you update us on on exactly like what? It's such an unusual move and such a shocking thing. And I know it's kind of fun to like poke a can. Ha ha! You lost your OC to Middle Tennessee, but like obviously there's something going on here that's not I don't think on the field related. So, a, what do we know for sure? And then B, I want to talk about potential candidates to replace him and be now the fourth offensive coordinator for. Less miles in year three. Yeah. Yeah. It's um so so first of all, this is something that actually has been in the works for a little while. Um, you know, there's some some family issues going on and, and I'm I'm comfortable saying this because Brent Dearman has actually said it as well and it was in the, the, the press release, but there are some family issues going on, some things that he needed to take care of that required him to be a lot closer to where his family is. Um and so, you know, in that in that sense, it's completely understandable. And honestly, Middle Tennessee State had an offensive coordinator position open up just kind of out of the blue. Um, you know, my understanding is that he was, he being Brent Dearman, was prepared to leave his job at Kansas, even if it required him to take a step down somewhere else. It was that pressing of an issue for him. And so this is a situation where obviously it sucks, but it's not like he's jumping shit because he sees absolutely no future with, you know, Kansas getting any better or anything like that. Um, you know, you can make all the jokes that you want, but this was this was clearly a case of him needing to take care of his family first, which I completely understand. I've had to do similar sorts of things. So like, it's not ideal for Kansas, but this, there was literally no way to avoid this. And you can't really read into this um, about anything having to do with the Kansas program at all. Okay. So on that note, um, who's, what kind of move do we make here? Cause look, look it was, um, and I'm going to forget names and I should have done more research Blank, whatever. Um, I know that uh, the first OC that, that Miles hired uh, ended up getting it's Chip Lindsey. Thank you. Uh, right. Ended up getting the head coaching job at Troy, so he left for that. Um, then came in um, Koenig, right? Well, that's Koenig, right yeah. Koenig. Koenig, thank you. I had the spelling. Um, who was the OC for essentially Les Miles' first season, kind of, but then he got demoted and being and, uh, and Brent Deerman officially took over. And of course, he was the OC all of this past season. Uh, and now, as Les Miles heads into year three in Lawrence, he will be searching for his fourth offensive coordinator. Um, I mean, it, 
uh, this has been in the works for some while. You would think then that Les has been working to figure out maybe who who to bring in, who should be next. Um, do you have any ideas, or have you actually heard anything specific? I mean, I haven't heard anything, nothing in terms of leaking out of the athletic department or anything like that. But, you know, the one name that kind of makes sense to everybody would be uh, Ed Warner, uh, formerly, you know, uh, from – or most recently coaching at Michigan was let go. Um, former Kansas offensive coordinator. You know, he's, he's done quite a bit with the Jayhawks anyway. So it would be a kind of a homecoming for him at this point. I don't know how much interest he has, but it, it I mean, it makes sense on a lot of levels. Um, you know, especially since from my understanding is he's still actually getting paid by Michigan. <laughs> he got paid to go away basically. Um, and so the, the problem is, not really knowing a lot of the financials um, in terms of, you know, how COVID-19 has affected the department, what they're actually able to pay for to get an offensive coordinator. It, it makes it difficult to kind of see who they can realistically go after because some of the guys you would want them to go after are going to cost a little bit more, um, you know, and, and so like this may end up being a promote from within, which is kind of its own issue since the biggest problem that Kansas had last year, I think, is that the entire offensive coaching staff were really, really young guys who did not have a seasoned leader who really, you know, could help them develop just as much as he was developing all of the kids on the field. Um, so so there's definitely some concerns there. My hope is that they bring someone in from the outside. But the only name that actually jumps out to me that actually makes sense at this point would be Warner. And I don't know what his level of interest is at this point. Um, you know, kind of just hammering home the fact that this is not a, you know, uh, Brent Dierman jumping ship type of thing. He actually had to return quite a bit of money that he received as part of, you know, getting out of his contract. So that might help a little bit in trying to bring someone in. Um, but there's still a whole lot of questions about whether that money is actually going to be able to get used towards an, an assistant coaching, you know, staff uh, budget, or if it's going to have to go take care of other things. So um, there's just too much that we don't know right now because Kansas is notoriously not open with any of the information, um, you know, that, that, that gets out about them. They're, it's weird for if for being a public school, they are one of the hardest schools to get any kind of information out of the athletic department. So, uh, the other kind of coaching news to talk about uh, on Sunday, uh, the Mercury put out an article uh, from Ryan Black uh, in which uh, AD Kansas State athletic director Gene Taylor said that despite everything going on at Kansas State, Bruce Weber is expected to remain the men's basketball head coach next season, barring any sort of off the court issues. Um, I know Kansas State fans aren't going to like that. I know that right now, last year and this year, are pretty much two of the worst years of, of Kansas State college basketball ever. I mean, you, you've suffered two losses in which the opponent scored 100 points. That's something that never happened before. Now it's happened twice in the same season. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's getting any better. And look, I get it. It's, you know, I, I don't think that I don't think Bruce Weber's ever really gotten the most fair shake in Kansas State because he's not really who fans wanted, and then they wanted Brad Underwood, and they wish that he'd have gone so. And then he makes the run to Elite Eight, which was a little bit fluky and lucky, but it it it, it happened, and it, and it, I don't think he's ever really gotten the full fan support um, from Kansas State fans. Uh, but now at this point, it's understandable that Kansas State fans are pretty much like this isn't this can't keep happening. But I also think in COVID year. I think finances for everybody are tight and it's really, really hard to fire a guy. I don't know what the buyout is, whose contract is through 2023. I, I'm i very much of the like, I don't know that he's going to be able to fix and turn this around. I mean, this two straight years of just bad basketball. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know how you keep him if it's if it's on the court issues, but if it's other things involved, there is a difference to me. And I know Jamie, you got to keep out of the conversation. I, there is a difference to me between what's happening at Kansas State and what's happening at Iowa State. Kansas State fans are angry. Iowa State fans are apathetic. Angry fans are still fans that care. Apathetic fans don't care. When fans don't care, they don't spend money. And when they don't spend money, keeping a bad basketball coach is more expensive than firing one. So I think for Kansas State, with the financial situation that everyone's facing, Kansas State including, um, it's looking like Bruce Weber, barring uh, some boosters wanting to come in and throw a ton of money. And I, folks, boosters are... <laughs> They're not really hurting. Let's be honest. They're all making money off what's going on. Um, I, it looks like Bruce Weber's going to be back at, in in Manhattan for another season. So a couple things. First of all, I just looked up his buyout. Um, and actually from that same article, his uh, if he's fired prior to April 30th, then they owe him a $2 million buyout. It drops down to $1 million starting on May 1st. So if they wait till May 1st to fire him, they save a $1 million. Um Second thing, to your point about, you know, apathetic fans, in this environment right now, there's not really many, if any, fans that are in the building, which is where most of that would actually come from in terms of, you know, like that's where most of the money that comes in is is putting butts in the seats. And if you can't do that in the middle of a pandemic, it doesn't make that much of a difference right now. And, you know, there's enough else going on in the Iowa State um, Athletic Department that you like merchandise sales is still really high because – hey, look, they got a really good women's basketball team and a really good football team. Um, There's a lot of enthusiasm around those. So the athletic department as a whole is probably still doing about as good as you can expect in this kind of environment. It's not going to hit them hard until next year. And so really the question becomes what they can do by the end of the season. So like, while while I agree with you that Prohm is probably the person who's on the hot seat the most out of all the Big 12. And like, if I'm putting bets on a coach in the Big 12 that's going to get fired this year, it's going to be Prohm. Not just because they came out and said that Weber, you know, is safe at this point. Um, but, you know, he still has an opportunity to save his job at this point if they can do anything towards the end of the season that can give fans any kind of hope for next year. Um, but I do agree, like, Weber's the guy that Weber's the guy that puzzles me the most because the you know, the the knock on him has always been he does really good in terms of X's and O's, but he's horrible at recruiting. Like that's always been the biggest problem. Is that, you know, because so he's really good at coaching up other coaches, players. He did it at Illinois. He did it at Kansas State when he first got here. Um, But when it comes to recruiting guys and then fitting them into his system and doing it well, he has a really hard time evaluating the talent correctly to be able to then plug into his system. Um, That's the other thing. And I've I've talked with a couple K-State people that cover the team. And that's the thing that they've noticed as well is that like it's really hard for him to take recruiting information and translate that to how he wants to run his system. And he is notoriously stubborn about adapting the way that he coaches the kind of system that he runs. So if he doesn't get guys that fit well into the system that he wants to run, then they don't do very well. And that's what we've seen the last two years. I've also heard that like they thought that some of the guys that they had on this roster for this year were going to pan out a whole lot better than they actually did. And so when they recruited last year, they were building for the future as opposed for this season. And it's gone spectacularly wrong. The problem that you have there, and, and I think kind of your, to your point, it was an extremely fluky Elite Eight for them two years ago, and it bought him a lot of run that I don't think he necessarily deserves. If he had not made that, if he hadn't lucked into an Elite Eight, he probably would have been gone after last year. Um, that's kind of extended the 
you know, the guillotine for it, like pushed him off into the next few years. And I honestly think it's going to take another season like this for him to get fired at the end of next season, which is unfortunate if you're a Kansas State fan, because at this point, like they are they are fast approaching the same level of apathy from the fan base, you know, as as you were talking about, we have from Iowa State. I've talked to a lot of Kansas State fans, you know, and, and in terms of trying to find someone to preview this Kansas Kansas State matchup that's coming up for you know for Tuesday, having trouble there because there's a lot of K State fans and a lot of you know people that cover the team that just really don't care anymore. Like they know it's going to be a horrible season the rest of the season. There's really no reason to tune in because there's absolutely no indication that this team is going to get any better. I mean, look, it's not like he hasn't accomplished things. They they tied for first in the conference his first season. They tied for first in the 2018-2019 season with, with Texas Tech. But outside of the late eight run, which was, again, kind of fluky, they've lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament every other time they've gone, the other, the other four trips they've made. it it It's that thing of, like, I get it. I don't think Kansas State fans have given him, have ever really wanted him. As the head coach, I think they were disappointed in him when he got hired. Um, they were really disappointed when they, they didn't. Kansas State didn't fire him and go hire Brad Underwood, which what he's doing at Illinois only makes that more frustrating. Um, and now you have the worst two season run, and it, I don't think it's entirely fair because again, COVID has made this year so weird, and this is an incredibly young roster. I mean, incredibly young. You have seven guys that are new on this team that are all true freshmen, like. We'll see what they do next year, and I and I almost think what's for Kansas State fans is going to stink is he they should be better next year if any of those players continue to develop, if if Nigel Pack because I believe he's either injured or has COVID one of the two I forget which one, um, if Nigel Pack is healthy and 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 gets better like I think it'll be a better team. The question is is it one of those situations where they're better enough and they keep him around and it just does it get better? Can he reach back to that? 2019 season of of winning the big 12 or is this it i I don't i don't know so yeah the problem that you have there philip is that like the reason they have not very much talent on this team he ran off cartier jara last year like he was by far their best player and bruce weber ran it like he had a lot of issues in terms of you know the way that they clashed they did not work well together at all and a lot of that was bruce weber like looking from the outside and even people that cover the team a lot of people thought that Bruce Weber was being completely unreasonable with the way that he was doing things. Um, and so, like, whether that's true or not, he has had several issues with his star talent on his team. You know, Marcus Page is another example. He, for whatever reason, does not mesh well with about half the talent that he brings in in terms of key guys. Uh, and so if you're going to keep running people off, and, and and to your point, like, a lot of fans did not want him. But I think a lot of fans didn't want him because of what happened at Illinois when he was there. He was really good the first two years. Then after that, Illinois started to take a dive. And he wasn't at Illinois long enough to get down to these types of depths. But he followed the exact same trajectory here at Kansas State as he did at Illinois with a huge bump with that one fluky trip to the Elite Eight. So, like, it's been a constant decline for this Kansas State team with the exception of that one weird season where they just happened to be really good. Um you know, for who knows what reason, but like there has been nothing that Bruce Weber has done to instill confidence that he's going to be able to get out of the slump. And so I don't blame Kansas state fans for not wanting him, especially given like what they knew about what he did at Illinois. And those, you know, people that had problems with him getting hired seem to be vindicated at this point because of how low this team has sunk. 
Um, just for reference, he was in Illinois for nine seasons. This is season number nine at Kansas State. Um, he had a better record. Now, granted, he went, what, uh, 63 and nine his first two seasons, so that's understandable. But he had a better record at Illinois than he's had at Kansas State. So, yeah. But also, similarly, doesn't outside of one or two seasons, doesn't do a whole lot once he gets into the NCAA tournament. So there's that as well. Um, okay, so let's wrap up on this as we're hitting the point where I'm like, ooh, we're going long. Uh, let's look ahead to this week. We're not going to talk baseball because baseball is still like two weeks away. Um, let's run down the list of games. I want to hear which game you guys are most excited for. Monday night, we get a big Monday. It should be big Monday. It should always be big Monday. Like There should always be a big Monday, big 12 game. Oklahoma, who by the time this comes out, is going to be ranked at least top 15, if not higher than that. Uh, traveling to face Texas Tech. That's a fun one on Monday. Tuesday, we get our finally get, finally get Baylor versus Texas Baylor headed to Austin to face the Longhorns. Um, if Kansas State or Iowa State are involved in a game, I'm not even going to mention it because no. Uh, Oklahoma State on Wednesday going to try and get revenge against TCU, which TCU knocked them off in Stillwater early in the season. Uh, on Saturday's lineup is Kansas at West Virginia, Texas Oklahoma State, um, TCU at Baylor. Because again, I'm not going to I'm not going to do Iowa State and Kansas State games. Sorry guys, I don't. You guys don't care. I'm not going to get excited about it. Um, so Jamie, which game are you most excited for this week? Oh, I'm really excited to watch Oklahoma and Tech on Monday night. Um. It's Oklahoma on the road. It's been great. Oklahoma's been great. I think that that's going to be a super fun game. Plus, you know, Big Monday. Big like Monday. Like you said. Big Monday. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, Andy, which game are you looking forward to the most? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to that one, but I think the Baylor-Texas game uh, that's coming up on Tuesday is, like, the one to circle. We didn't get it last time. Um, the only thing that concerns me about this game is that I'm still not certain that Texas is at full strength. Um, I think they're getting pretty close, but they're not quite there yet. Should be an interesting one. Another one that's kind of, uh, intriguing to me that I'll throw out there to kind of throw your team a little bit of love here, Philip, is that Oklahoma State TCU game. Um, you know, like, I don't, it's one that is not necessarily going to be like the best game, but it's the one I think that's the most interesting because that TCU um, you know, game that they had against Missouri really kind of made me think that TCU is getting ready to take a step forward. And Oklahoma State looks like a team that is clearly on the rise. So looking at how those two teams play, um, you know, if this is a, a competitive game down the stretch, I think that bodes well for both of these teams. Or if Oklahoma State just comes and blows the doors off of TCU, that means you got to feel that much better about Oklahoma State heading into the final stretch. Uh, that is a loss that Oklahoma State cannot add to their resume. Let's put it that way. Uh, TCU 93rd in Ken Palm, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, that would be, at this point, OSU's only non-quad one loss is that home game to TCU. While a road loss isn't that bad, they'd really like to not add that to a resume when they are dealing with a non-conference strength of schedule, which keeps dropping because teams they play are losing, which isn't helpful. Uh, so... Big one for Oklahoma State. That Texas-Oklahoma State game on, on Saturday could be good as well. And I, I agree on Texas-Baylor. We've been waiting for Texas-Baylor. We've been waiting for Texas-Baylor. We've been waiting for Texas-Baylor. Even if Texas isn't at 100%, you know, you have to think after not having to play on Saturday, having more time to get everybody healthy, hopefully Shaka Smart is back. This will, they'll be as close to 100% as they can be, well-rested and ready to go and having plenty of time to prep for this Baylor game. Uh, this game is is huge. It's fun. Six o'clock on ESPN. I'm going to be watching because, man, 
it's a it's a it's a big one. This is two number two Baylor and number five Texas. This is rankings as of Sunday night. Who knows what they'll be on Monday? That's ah uh, ah. Uh, look, Oklahoma Texas Tech, awesome. That's two nights in a row with a must-watch Big Twelve game. You, you love to see it, folks. You love to see it. Um, okay, so why don't you guys on Twitter let us know which game you're most excited about? I'll probably put a poll for it. I like to do polls on Twitter. Twitter polls are fun. Um, and we will throw up on the gram. So follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Of course, follow us on the gram. We're posting exclusive stuff. I'm trying to keep things going out on a pretty consistent basis over there since we've stopped doing the lives for a little while. Uh, you can find us at 1012pod, T-E-N, the number 12, P-O-D. Uh, make sure and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our episodes. which come up every Monday and every Thursday. On that note, we probably won't have an episode next Monday because Super Bowl. Yeah. Sorry, um, but we will have a Thursday episode. I'm working on guests. I'm really excited for them. I've got two very unique ones, I think, in the bag, which are going to be a lot of fun. I really think you guys are going to like Thursday's show. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed. Do us a favor. Leave us five stars and a review if you wouldn't mind. I would love to read another review on here. Um, look, we got a review. It suggested we do some kind of quick Q&As. So I've had a weird little 10 quick fire questions that I've been asking a guest each Thursday. I love doing it. So if you've got a suggestion for the show, shoot it to me. You can DM us on Twitter. You can DM us on Instagram. You can leave it in a review. We would love that. Uh, and we'll give it a shot here on the show. Uh, don't forget Homefield Apparel. Don't forget, go check out the Highball Network. And of course, we'll talk to you guys again on Thursday. Podcast Network.